Hear the Gospel of our Saviour Christ according to Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 2. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Some Pharisees came and to test him they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for uh, the welcome and for celebrating. And uh, I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to say I was quite perturbed by the text. It's not an easy text. But one of the first things you will learn during the homiletics module is not to shy away from those texts which may, at first sight, appear to be difficult. Texts which may cause problems for those vulnerable people within our congregations, or texts which seem to be imposing a burden rather than lifting one. A good priest will know his or her people and will know their difficulties and the pastoral circumstances from which they come. Gospel texts such as Mark 10, 2-16 do very much have the possibility to hurt and I suspect that is why the compilers of the lectionary included the second pericope of the blessing of the little children. Surely for the preacher, it's easier to focus on the lovely illustration of the little ones than dealing with the issues of divorce and broken relationships. Indeed, why not avoid the text altogether and preach on Markian structure and the idea of the turning point? But the second thing that you will learn during homiletics is that when you're engaged in the task of preaching, you bring your whole self to the text. This is an area which Dr. Heffelfinger will tell you about in your exegesis classes if she has not already done so. So self-awareness is always a good start. I may not have ever been married. There are people in this very room who are in that venerable institution. I may not have experienced the fullness of marriage or its complexities. I may not have even experienced the process of divorce. But so much as that is true, 
for most of the human experience. And sometimes we need to hear the voice of the outsider to speak into these situations that we might discern what God is really telling us in the texts. And it is for that reason that I will not dodge the, the, the bullets of divorce and marriage and focus on the little children because it is very important for us, for you as students, to wrestle with the hard passages of Scripture, especially as we are concerned in the Gospels with the good news. But what might the good news actually mean to those mentioned in our text this evening? Well, it's important for us to understand the context of the teaching of Christ in relation to marriage and divorce. What did marriage actually mean to the ancient culture of that time? What was the situation in the Gospel episode which prompted the question of the Pharisees? To gain a deeper understanding, we may use the social sciences to examine the historical and cultural reality. We will remove our 21st century romantic lenses when viewing the actual gritty reality of the Gospel context. Marriage was not a union between two individuals in love with one another. Rather, it was a union of families. One family offered a male, the other a female. The wedding stood for the wedding of the larger extended families and symbolized the fusion of the honor of both families involved. The marriage was primarily concerned with socioeconomic factors and of honoring one's parents. Divorce, then, would entail the disillusion of the extended family ties, with the inevitable consequence of feuding. This is a very different system than the one which would evolve later, and I think we all need to fully grasp that point when dealing with this text in a pastoral situation or in a homiletic situation. The concept of marriage that we are dealing with in this passage operated under an ancient honor system of shame. Honor and shame were both emphasized in relations to people's actions and how those actions impacted on others. Therefore, divorce would shame the entire family, as well as the individual, as well as the community. But you would think that would mean that divorce was in common in those ancient days because of the disruption that it causes to the community and the family, but not so. Divorce was common, and the process was simple enough. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked into rabbinical disputes about divorce and how you go about it, because that, I suspect, is what the Pharisees were actually trying to do. But rather, let us say that at that time and at that place, women, and indeed children, did not have the full rights which they enjoy today. They were viewed as property. It was a man who could initiate divorce. A woman couldn't do that. And so if the breakfast was burnt or the woman was a bit of a moaner, bang, bill of divorce, and she was cast out and the disruption arrived. <coughs> the question is asked by the Pharisees, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Mark records that they said this to test him. Well, the Pharisees knew full well what the tradition and the rule of faith demanded, and they further understood the implications of the response. 
because verse 1, which is not in our lectionary reading, tells us that the incident takes place in the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. The location is important because we know that St. John the Baptist was active in this area. And we also know from the Gospel that St. John the Baptist found himself in very hot water because of divorce, because of what he said about the adulterous marriage of King Herod Antipas and his wife Herodias. Both had been married before, Herodias to Herod's own brother. They had met and become infatuated one with another, and Herodias had left her husband and used the provisions of Roman law to divorce him. Herod also divorced his wife, and the two married each other. At that time, this was an enormous issue, and strict Jews said that Herod could not possibly be God's anointed king because he had flouted God's law in such a fashion. So the response of Jesus suggests an insight into how the Pharisees operated in such matters. It's also a recognition that if he had answered in an entirely negative way, this would have been interpreted as treason, a pronouncement that Herod was not fit to be king, the same pronouncement which St. John the Baptist paid for with his own life. This is the context of the response of Jesus. He is not being asked to comment on an abusive marriage. He is not being asked to comment on a marriage which is suffering from physical or sexual abuse. Nor is he being asked to comment on whether a husband whose wife commits adultery should forgive her. No. With the Herodian example to the fore, it is clear that it is frivolous divorce which Jesus has in mind. What did Moses command you? To which they respond, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. So let's consider that exchange. What did Moses command? Moses allowed. What is clear is that Moses did not command divorce, rather he gave allowance for it. That is because the Mosaic law took divorce as a fact of life. Jesus goes on to explain why the allowance was granted for divorce and why the response of the Pharisees is inadequate. It was because of the brokenness of humanity and the hardening of hearts. Jesus then teaches what the ideal for marriage was, what the ideal for relationships are in God's vision by an appeal to the relationship expressed in Genesis. With such an appeal to God's intention for marriage and relationships, Jesus is trying to recover an understanding of that intention as revealed at the beginning during creation. Human beings were created to live in relationship. The intention of God from the beginning was for two individuals to be faithful, lifelong companions in an intimate, committed relationship that should not be severed. In doing so, Jesus changes the exchange from being about divorce to embracing the unity of partnership as being part of God's creative design, a unity that is the gift of God and not the subject for frivolous divorce. In Mark's Gospel, there is a sense of urgency throughout, and we note this as the text shifts to the blessing of the little children. Now the competent preacher, and I am not a competent preacher, with more time on his or her hands, 
may use this as an excuse to expound the Church of Ireland's teaching on the baptism of infants. Many in this very room will be pleased that I am not going down that particular <laughs> avenue. Although it always provides for a healthy discussion, stimulating in theological reflection classes, so take note. <laughs> no, let us look to the little children themselves, the little children, the least of these. Again, we throw off our 21st century lenses and consider how the culture of the gospel narrative considered children. The perception of children was not very good, and indeed, they were vulnerable in that culture. So the disciples wanted to send them away, but Jesus was indignant at this. Are we surprised that he was indignant? Well, not necessarily so, because previously the disciples had received the instructions to welcome the little ones in Mark chapter 9. So here then is instruction for us today. Should we not be indignant when the vulnerable and the despised and the dispossessed are turned away or ignored because of societal norms? And furthermore, in giving his blessing to the little ones, Jesus is demonstrating that all are worthy of the love of God. What we may call the social implications of the inbreaking of the reign of the kingdom Jesus overturns the societal and cultural norms relating to relationships and children. He lifts up those at the bottom of the social ladder, women and children. He does not affirm or domesticate the words of the Pharisees or their understanding. He subverts their assumptions about marriage. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? A man, mark you, not a woman, a man to divorce his wife. In his response in verse 12, Jesus allows for a woman to divorce her husband. And in saying this, Jesus is giving the woman the same rights and responsibilities as the man. And again, with the children, the ones entirely without consequence in the ancient world are given their place as a model of receiving the kingdom of God. Does Almighty God wish us to reside in our brokenness? Or is the disruptive pro proclamation of the good news one which liberates us? Perhaps the most loving act is to part company, because surely the love of God does not have human limitations and preconditions. The example of Christ and the breaking through of the kingdom by his teaching and actions show that God is always going to broaden our understanding of how we live in relationship with him and how we live in relationship one with another. Here in our gospel passage, as Mark presses us ever onwards to the cross, in which we will see the full outpouring of this very teaching of the love of God, we understand that the ideal, the desire, the command, the alliance, is that we live in loving relationship and not brokenness. Mercy, love, compassion, these are the words which we should grasp from the gospel reading. And we here in this place need to learn who are the little ones of this age? Who are the least of these today? Who are those that are outcast? And who are they that we can express the fullness and limitless love of God to break through with the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and lift them out of their brokenness and into new relationships. Amen.